getting and uh, I'm sure that some of our folks have stayed home because of the weather so if you're watching online welcome we're glad you're tuning in with us and thanks again for all of you who are in attendance this morning I ran into Harold Davis as I was walking in I said Harold brother thank you so much for braving the weather and he said Trent if it was waist deep in here I would still show up and I thought you know what that's perseverance and this man's been married 60 years and that's perseverance uh, especially on the part of his wife. Can I get an amen? <laughs> uh, this morning I'm going to talk about perseverance. And I did think that, that that was a really interesting conversation that I had just before service started. That Harold said, if it was waist deep, I'd still be here. And isn't it true in life, sometimes you find yourself waist deep in whatever it is. And you still got to suit up and show up. That's what perseverance is all about. Perseverance is about pushing through or moving forward when the unexpected or even the unfortunate happens in life. Perseverance is about pushing through or moving forward when the unexpected or even the unfortunate happens in life. And I think perseverance is definitely not an exact science. Any of you have ever found yourself waist deep in the junk of life that have pushed through? Know that there were things that happened and ways you kept moving forward that you really can't explain or that would maybe be hard to replicate. And so, so I want to talk about perseverance being an art today. But I think with, with art and with pushing through unexpected or even unfortunate times, uh, there are principles that we can follow that will help maximize or, or influence our success. There's some principles that we can follow that will help maximize or influence our success in the middle of difficult times. And that's what I want to share with you all this morning, is a few biblical principles that if you'll follow when difficult things occur, when the unexpected or even the unfortunate happens... You'll have the tools to push through. So we're, we're still in our series at the movies. This is the conclusion of that series. Have you guys enjoyed watching some movies? Even if you haven't, just give me a hand clap while I'm up here, all right? Have you all enjoyed watching some movies while we're here in church? It's one of my favorite things to do in the summer. You can ask my kids. We have family movie night at my house once a week. And Dad usually gets to choose the movie and it's a, it's a time the whole family can come together and relax. So that's kind of what we were shooting for with this series. And one of, one of the, my favorite movies I showed you uh, last time I taught, which was Lord of the Rings, at least somewhere in the top five is a movie called Rudy. And in this movie, uh, there's a young man who's from a family in the Midwest, and they are huge Notre Dame football fans. Now, Notre Dame does not stand anywhere in the same vicinity as LSU, all right? Um, but they do have a great football team at Notre Dame, and this particular young man, his name's Rudy, is a huge fan, and his dream in life is to play football for the Fighting Irish. 
And in the movie, he has to overcome a lot of adversity and he has to persevere. And I think uh, the first thing that Rudy has to do, and the first principle I want you to remember if you face adversity in life, is to learn the discipline of hope. In the middle of adversity or difficulty or the unexpected or even the unfortunate, learn the discipline of hope. Learn that no matter your circumstance, there's always potential for those circumstances to be improved. And Rudy finds himself in this moment, he's finished high school, he's working at the mill where his grandfather and his father and his brothers and now he has been working and he decides that he's going to do something to change his life. He's going to go to the Notre Dame campus, he's going to walk right into the campus and he's going to say, I want to, I want to be admitted into the school and I want to play football for the football team. And his family really doubts whether or not he can be successful doing that. And as he's waiting at the bus stop to board a bus to be taken to the university, he and his dad have a conversation that threatens his ability to stay hopeful. I want you guys to roll that clip. Y'all watch this for a moment. What are you doing here? You can take a couple of weeks off. sell the land. There's no work. So one day, he took off. Didn't come back. My brothers and me, we split up to live with friends and relatives. Chasing a stupid dream causes nothing but you and everyone around you heartache. 
Notre Dame is for rich kids, smart kids, great athletes. It's not for us. You're a Rudiger. There's nothing in the world wrong with being a Rudiger. You can have a nice life. Frank is going to take over plan number two. In a couple of years, you make more than me and Johnny. You know he's in charge of the expansion program. I don't want to be Frank or John. In in this moment, Rudy has to confront a lot of things that would otherwise make it really hard for him to stay hopeful. And, and I, I do want to talk briefly about two things that are the enemies of, of being able to stay hopeful. Two things in life that will make it very difficult for you to practice the discipline of hope. The first thing is the familiar. And here's the reality in life. The more familiar your circumstances become, the more you're going to expect them to stay that way. The more familiar you become with your circumstances, the more you anticipate them staying the same. And I want to tell you that just because things in your life have been the same for a long time doesn't mean they're going to stay that way. Just because it seems like things would be difficult to change today doesn't mean tomorrow God can't do something incredible in your life and totally change your circumstances. Just because you're familiar with the way things are doesn't mean that's the way things will always be. And when you hear a person up here preaching and teaching like this at you, those, all those same things you've been telling yourself or that the enemy has been telling you about your circumstances or your situation come back, yeah, but I'm too old. Yeah, but my time's passed. Yeah, but I don't have the money. Yeah, but I'm not athletic. Yeah, but I'm a Rudiger. It's always been this way in our family. Just because it's always been that way doesn't mean it always will. In the New Testament, there's a, a man named the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. And he experienced a dramatic life change. He was a murderer, a zealot Pharisee, totally against Jesus, and becomes one of the most powerful uh, evangelists and missionaries in the history of the entire world. He really knew what it was like to transform. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he talks about how nothing in our circumstances can overcome the power and majesty of God. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, say this next phrase with me, he is a new creation. Our God can make your world, yourself, and your life completely and totally brand new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. That's the power of our God. Familiarity breeds lack of ability to hope. Don't ever write yourself off just because your circumstances have been the same for years or decades or even longer. Familiarity is an enemy of hope. The second thing I want to mention, and you heard some of this in Rudy's conversation with his dad, were the labels that his dad had spoken over the family. And I, and I want to I encourage you to be aware of the labels you are living up to. Beware of the labels or the legacy statements 
that you're living up to. Here's a couple of legacy statements that were that were that the Rudiger family was living up to. Number one, that they weren't wealthy. Notre Dame's for rich kids, Rudy. That's not us. We're not wealthy. We can't be there. We can't go there. We can't do that because that's not us. We're not wealthy. Another legacy statement was that they weren't great athletes. Man, the guys who are at Notre Dame, the guys who are successful on the football field, those guys are not like us. We're not athletes. That's a legacy statement. We can't because that's not us. And they buy into that and it totally shapes their lives. And you have legacy statements, you have labels that people have spoken over your life that you're living up to right now. And let me, tell, let me coach you a little bit on how to figure out what they are. They're the moments in your life where you've told yourself, I'll never let anyone say that to me again. They're the moments in your life where you've told yourself, I'll never let anyone say that to me again. Or they're the moments in your life where you've told yourself, I'll never let anyone hurt me like that again. In those moments, someone has spoken something over you or behaved in a way towards you that really hurts you deeply. And because of that pain, that moment shapes how you live the rest of your life. That statement shapes how you live the rest of your life. I see this with couples all the time. It's those chronic labels that we call one another. And with lots of families, what, what, what people are doing is they're saying, well, you're just like your mom. Or you're just like your dad. Or, yeah, that's about right for the place where you come from. Yeah, all those people raised around there, they're just like that. And it's those kinds of legacy statements when they're spoken over us or when people treat us in a way that makes us say, you know what, never again is somebody going to treat me like that. Never again will someone say that to me. That I live the rest of my life trying to disprove that statement someone spoke over me or implied to me based on the way they treated me. And if you're not aware... Of those legacy statements that people spoke over you, you can end up living your life revolving around a statement man has spoken over you. Listen to this, church. Rather than a statement of truth, the God of the universe has spoken over you. And here's the principle. Don't let the legacy statements man has spoken over you weigh more or influence you more in your life than the statements of truth that God has spoken over you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. We can give God a, a hand clap of praise for that. Your identity, friends, has to come from the God of the universe, not the man he created. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 4. I've got this on the screen for you. Listen to this. Paul says, you're no longer a slave. That's the legacy statement man had spoken over the people of God, that they were slaves. But Paul says, you are no longer a slave. You are a son or daughter of the king. You are an heir alongside Jesus Christ. You are a co-laborer, a a family member of the family of God. You deserve an inheritance because you are a brother or sister of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. That's the truth about you. The truth about you is you're not too poor. Or you're not too old. Or you're not too young. 
or you're not too late, or you're not too uneducated, or you're not too overeducated, or you're not too much of a people pleaser. All those things are legacy statements and labels that man speaks over other men and women that would otherwise steal your hope. And when I'm living out my life to try and contradict a legacy statement someone has spoken over me, my life does not have hope. And it feels like my marriage can't get any better. My finances will never improve. Or I'll never be satisfied in my job. Or I'll never find that close group of friends that can really encourage me and edify me. And God's telling you this morning, don't let the labels and legacy statements man has spoken over you influence your life and your heart more than the truths I have spoken over your life. And this is that moment for Rudy where he decides he's no longer going to let those labels or those legacy statements control who he is and what he can do in life. Now, at this moment, is he certain he's going to succeed? Absolutely not. He just knows he's sick and tired of being sick and tired, and he's going to take a risk. And that's my prayer with each of you this morning, is that you be moved to take some of those kind of risks and no longer let those legacy statements influence your life more than the truths God has spoken over you. So Rudy ends up going to Notre Dame, and what he finds is that it was really, really, really difficult. As a matter of fact, it was so difficult, there's times where he felt like giving up. So the first thing I want you to do, the principle to push through a really unfortunate or unexpected situation, is practice the discipline of hope. Learn the discipline of hope. The second thing is to remember, when the going gets tough, you've got to get going. Get going when the going gets tough. One of the irrefutable truths in life, and I can't draw this out in the scripture, but it's everywhere. One of the irrefutable truths in life is that the going will, what's the next, what's the next part of that phrase? What, the going is going to get tough. The going is definitely going to get tough. And when the going gets tough, you better get going. Rudy's ready to give up. In this next clip, I'm going to show you in just a minute. Rudy's ready to give up. He's working at a, at a, as a janitor at Notre Dame because that's the only way he could get himself into the stadium, onto the field. And he's working as a, as a janitor, and he's not ever making any headway to try to, to trying to get onto the team. And the guy who is his mentor, that's the manager of the janitors, that's over him, and Rudy have a conversation. And the janitor is aware that Rudy wants to play football, and he sees Rudy sta- standing in the stadium looking longingly at the field. And he says, ma'am, what are you doing? And Rudy says, I just feel like I'm going to quit. And they have a conversation about Rudy keeping on going when the going gets tough. I want you to watch this really briefly. Play that clip, you guys. Hey, 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 hey. What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore, I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I don't know, I just don't see the point anymore. So you didn't make the dress list. There are greater tragedies in the world. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. To prove to everyone that I worked... what? That I was somebody. Oh, you are so full of crap. You're five feet enough, a hundred enough, and you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. 
And you're also going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't going to never happen. Now go on back. Sorry, I never got you to see your first game in here. I've seen too many games in this stadium. I thought you said you never saw a game. I've never seen a game from the stands. You were a player? I rode the bench for two years. Thought I wasn't being played because of my color. I got filled up with a lot of attitude. So I quit. Still not a week goes by, I don't regret it. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. You hear me clear enough? One way to keep going when the going gets tough is to choose to allow the struggles you go through to develop you rather than defeat you. Choose to allow the struggles you go through to develop you rather than defeat you. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 10 speaks clearly to this in the lives of Christians. God through the prophet Isaiah says, see, I have refined you though not as silver. In other words, God doesn't refine men and women by literal actual fire and a crucible and applying heat causes the impurities to rise to the top, which can then be wiped away, revealing the pure metal underneath. That's not the way it works. God uses a different medium other than fire. What does God use in the lives of his people? He uses the flame of affliction. He uses your difficult times. He uses your frustrating times. He uses the times when you feel desperate and weak and dependent on Him to develop you more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you face a difficult time or a time of struggle when something unexpected happens or when something unfortunate happens... Choose to allow your mind to stay fixed on that idea that God is using that struggle. And He's using that difficulty to make you into the image of Jesus a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. So don't stop in the midst of struggle because you don't get to accomplish all the growth and development that God has planned for you. The second thing I'd encourage you to do is to not be the quitting kind. We all need a guy like this in our life, right? Every single one of us, under the sound of my voice and all of y'all watching online, have thrown ourselves a pity party at some point in life or another. Poor me. I don't think I can do it. I, I don't believe my family's got what it takes. I don't believe I've got what it takes. I'm out. 
And we need somebody to come along and bust us and say, you know what? You're not the quitting kind. And that's my intent this morning is to bust you a little bit and say, you are not the quitting kind. You're not the quitting kind. So don't allow that word even into your vocabulary. I'm going to go back to the Apostle Paul again. This was a guy who was a missionary during a time where missionaries weren't the the most favored visitors on the planet, right? He'd go to a place, he'd get stoned for going there and talking about uh, the, the truth of the gospel. And I'm not talking about the kind of stoned that they do in Colorado, right? I'm talking about stoned with actual stones. Some of y'all will get that on the way home. Uh, and he gets stoned, he's left for dead, he gets up and he goes right back into the city. This is a guy who knew difficulty. And what does he say in Galatians chapter 6? I got this on the screen. Don't be weary in doing good. Don't be the quitting kind. This is Paul as your own personal janitor who's saying, don't be the quitting kind. Don't be weary in doing good. Listen to what God is going to do. In each situation, you feel weary and you keep pressing on. Don't be weary in doing good, for at the proper time, everybody say this next word, we will. The Bible doesn't say we might, or we likely, or we could, or probably. The Bible says you will. You will. You will. Don't be the quitting kind. Don't get weary in doing good. Because when the time is right, you will reap a harvest. What's your responsibility? Don't quit. Don't quit. If you'll not get weary in doing good and you won't quit, you will get a moment of victory. And that's the last thing I want to say is be ready for your moment. Every person in Scripture... And I thought about ending the sermon this way, going through like 10 or 15 people who had been given their moment and who had quit. But the one thing I find consistently in Scripture is everybody gets their moment. Everybody gets their moment. When you get your moment, be ready for it. When you get your moment, be ready for it. Some of you right now are in a battle and you don't believe your moment's going to come. I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, listen to me, in the name of Jesus, your moment will come. Can I get an amen right there? Your moment will come in Jesus' name. That's biblical, scriptural truth. That's not Trent. That's Bible. That's Galatians 6-9. You will reap a harvest. You just got to not give up. And when your moment comes, be ready for it. I want to show you this last clip because I couldn't not show it. This is a spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, I'm really sorry, but you need to see this before we leave today. You guys play this last clip here. I've got to tell you, it's just occurred to me what the student body has been chatting for the last two or three minutes. It's the name
I want to I wrap with James 1.12. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who perseveres. That's our key word today. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Church, I hope you're encouraged today. The going will get tough, and some of you are right in the middle of a really tough situation, and I pray you're encouraged. You're going to get your moment, and for some of you, that moment is now. For some of you, that moment is right now. If you need to be encouraged by your church family, if you need to bring a need before the Lord of the universe who is ready to speak His truth over your life, or anything else, I'm going to close in a prayer and I invite you to respond after I finish praying. Let's bow together. God, we love you. Thanks for true stories like this from our culture that we can use to better connect with the most important truth of all, and that's your truth. And I know there are those under the sound of my voice who are struggling and feeling like they're trying to persevere. And I believe you've given this message just for those individuals. And I think for some, this morning is their moment, their time of deliverance. And I pray any who need that moment today would seize it. And they'd respond and lay their burdens before you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Please stand with me while we sing.